Happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy. There's going to be stress in life, but it's your choice whether you let it affect you or not. Valerie Bertinelli. Hey, hustlers. Welcome to the Hustle Show audio experience. Real, no-filter conversations with successful entrepreneurs where we go over the harsh truth nobody told you about being an entrepreneur. And now, your host, Christian Ariola. Hey, hustlers. Welcome to another episode of The Hustle Show. I'm very excited to have you here. My name is Christian, and I am the host of The Hustle Show, where we have amazing, real, no-filter conversations with successful entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we have the amazing story of Anne-Marie Fiola. It's an incredible and very inspirational story. I am super pumped to share this one with you because not only did we have fun, we had a blast, but we really connected as far as our vision and the message that we're trying to communicate to everybody out there of transparency and being honest and showing the behind the scenes and showing that, you know, basically the needy greedy of entrepreneurship and everything that she does. Anne-Marie is the founder of Brambleberry, and she is the author of Leave Your Best Day Ever, an amazing book that I strongly suggest to get a copy. I already got my copy because I was I was so inspired by everything that she's doing and the messages she's trying to convey, which resonates with The Hustle Show because she's all about the behind the scenes, the nitty gritty, the passion about the journey, and she shares everything on the book. So I already got my copy and I'm very excited waiting for it. And remember the, all the show notes for the episode and a way to connect with today's guest. You can find it at thehassleshow.co slash TSH21. You will find the show notes for today's episode, the book club where we talk about entrepreneurial books and we're constantly updating that for you along with a lot of free stuff that we're constantly posting there. And before we jump into the call, it would really mean the world to me if you hit that subscribe button right now. Because when you subscribe to the show, either on our audio experience podcast or on the YouTube channel, you are basically telling iTunes and YouTube that the show is worthy of your time, that you liked it, and for them to start showing it to other people so that other people can find it and can come for motivational success stories from hustlers, okay? So, you know, hit that subscribe button right now. And let's jump in the call with Anne-Marie from Brambleberry.com and the author of Live Your Best Day Ever. All right, Hustlers. So in today's episode, we have Anne-Marie. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. I know a little bit about your story. And, you know, I know you just launched an amazing book that really resonates to all the what the Hustle Show is all about. So I'm super, you know, I'm eager and I'm I'm. I'm very desperate to start digging into your story. <laughs> I'm excited to start talking about it. So it looks like, I mean, your background is quite a bit of original, right? I mean, you were a correctional officer and while you were trying to to find that fulfillment of happiness in your life, which to be honest with you, that's what the show is doing for me, right? Because I was always uh, chasing success and money and it felt so miserable. Days were so, I mean, you know, it was it was a horrible situation. So when I heard your story... I really wanted to to have you on the show to share your 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 journey with everybody and you know bring the reality to them that it's not about success and money it's about finding that fulfillment. Absolutely. Like what's the point if you don't feel joy every day if you don't feel happy every day if you don't have that feeling of huh, this is what I meant to be doing at least once or twice a week why are you doing it? Yes, exactly. So what was that? What, you know, what happened there when you were an officer? And how did you get started with soaps? 
Sure. So I, like so many people, followed this very kind of traditional path in the sense that I went to school, I got my college degree, I was going to, I was prepared to get that kind of nine to five job, the grind, and work my way up and, and do that because that's what you do. And my degrees in psychology with an emphasis in criminal justice. And I have always been so passionate about helping people. Uh, that's always been really something that's run very deeply in my core, something that was really uh, focused on when I was growing up in my household. And so I decided that corrections and was a really strong place that I could help people while I was kind of working my way into my dream job of being the FBI. And so I started working right out of college at a medium security prison, and then I worked minimum security prison. and. Of course, I get into the prison system and it's nothing like I thought. There, the systemic hopelessness and the tide of poverty and the cycle of abuse that set people on their path to being in prison was something as this young college grad, optimistic college grad, I felt so wholly unprepared for and so unable to help. And I taught the anger management classes and the victims awareness classes in a medium security prison. Then I worked minimum security and I kept getting progressively more, is this all there is? Depressed. And I had been making soap, selling it on, selling it on the side. And so every night I would come home and I would make soap because with soap, it's literally science. A plus B equals C, you get soap. Whereas with my job in corrections, it, there was not a linear path to success for me or the people I was working with. And so finally, one day I had all this soap. And corrections was such a, there was some precipitating factors uh, and corrections was such a, just a hopeless place for me that I quit my job and I decided to sell soap full time. And I'd only decided I was going to do it just three months until I found a real job. And then that first weekend, the very first weekend, I sold $1,000 at a craft show, Ooh. knowing nothing about business. And it was all cash because soap at the time was $3.50 a bar. Now handmade soap is about between $6 and $12 a bar. And it was all cash. And immediately that kind of that part of me that has always wanted to help people and love that saw this big picture of if I can quit my job at the age of 20 and sell $1,000 of soap knowing nothing, how many other people, how many other women can I help? do that too. So I put $15,000 uh, on a credit card and started brambleberry.com, which now sells raw materials to help soap makers all over the world, manufacture soaps and toiletries and have their own business. I love this story and I absolutely you know, resonate with it. And I'm so excited as, as I hear about it because you're a true inspiring story of how you, you develop, you know, because I, I, I'm not a big fan of when you're trying to look for, okay, what's a good business idea? What can I sell? Right? I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of what you did. I mean, you did, you, you, you gave it a try because it was like a hobby. You wanted to, you know, just trying soap, but you saw, you saw the tremendous opportunity. And not only that, you took it a step forward because you're not just the soap company. You are actually the, the, the soap resources company that helps other women entrepreneur to start their, their company and to carry their own soaps. And that's such an amazing and inspiring thing to do. How, how long after you started the business did you started doing the, the resources? Was it right away? 
So I've always, because again, remember, I really love helping people. So I've always given away tons of information for free. So I start the company and immediately start a free instructional site called teachsoap.com because at the time, Soap Queen was not available. Now I have soapqueen.com to help people. And I started giving away stuff for free. And slowly, one order at a time, people started saying thank you for all the free recipes and free advice by ordering these raw materials. And I started with seven products. There was five fragrances and two soap bases, and that was it. And now we're up to 2,500. But that was a very long, long process to get there. And so giving away the stuff for free, which now everybody knows is content marketing, so (laughs) no one knew what it was back then, really helped me in the early days because, again, the art of reciprocity does kick in. And when you give stuff to people, they do say thank you. They may not buy from you now. They may not buy from you in a year, but maybe in five years they might. And so that's slowly how I started building this company was giving away recipes for free, giving all the content away for free, and hoping that people would buy the coconut oil, the fragrance oils, the lavender essential oil from me. Right. And I mean, that's like I said, you know, that's that's funny with that. You know, now we we have a label and it is content marketing and, and it's yeah. it's actually hard nowadays because everybody's doing it. Right. But back mm-hmm. back when you were doing it was a really great way to differentiate yourself. And it was new and it was different. And I didn't know that it was the right thing to do. I was right. just doing it because I liked to talk and I wanted to help people. Right. And really, honestly, that's where my new book comes in too. I've been working with entrepreneurs now for you know well over 10 or 15 years. And I kept hearing the same thing that you really emphasize, which is the struggle is real. Why isn't this easier? How am I not happy? Why do I go to bed tired every night? Why is there not enough money? And so my book is all about kind of the struggle. And it's all about real stories on how I've built a business that looks very successful from the outside, feels successful from the inside about 50% of the time, <laughs> and and just shares those kind of the life philosophy that got me there and some of the things I've learned over the years to shortcut things for other people that are really struggling in their businesses and kind of is this all there is. Right, right. And, and I mean, before we jump in full in the book, because I'm very excited to hear more about the book, Looking back when you started uh, Brambleberry, did you doubt yourself that you could start such a big company or not only that, but did you doubt that you could even start a business? So at the time, I lived in a home that had a mortgage of $454 a month and my husband was a student, so he wasn't making any money. And so I thought to myself, all I need to do is sell 1,200 bars of soap per month in order to fund me and his living style, and then do this Brambleberry thing during the week. And so every weekend for seven years, I would pack my Subaru full of soap, go sell soap at farmer's markets, at craft shows in four different states. And then during the week, I would come and do Brambleberry.com where I was selling these ingredients. I would write articles on teachsoap.com where it would help people. And then at night, I would make the soap, wrap the soap, do it all again the next weekend. And of course I was sleeping in my car on the weekends or in a campsite because I couldn't afford a hotel. And so my only goal was to support me and my then student husband for this $454 a month, three years in a row, 
we didn't have hated our house. Like that is how kind of to the bone the startup life was. And that is something that I think it's easy to gloss over, right? You see soapqueen.com and you see the soap queen TV videos and you kind of like, you see the printed boxes. You know what? For three years, I used to get in my car and go to the mall and get boxes after work before going home and make soap. I would literally dumpster dive for boxes because I couldn't afford the 70 cents per box. And now you see the beautiful Brambleberry logo and it looks so pretty, but that's not how it started. Right. And, and that's something important to, to you know, tell everybody that is listening. You don't have to be perfect to start. I mean, it, you can get, you can build it to the point, you know, as you go along, but you can, you can start, you know, like you, I mean, you were starting how we were trying to figure it out, basically trying to find a way to package it and sell it. And if you would have waited to have that perfect package that you have right now, where would you be right now? I wouldn't be anywhere, right? Because there's that famous phrase, right? Done is better than perfect, yes, right? Yes. And for most things, that's absolutely true. That analysis paralysis can get every single entrepreneur. And Patrick Lancioni, who uh, wrote a beautiful book called How the Mighty Fall, he has this whole concept in there about aim, 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 fire, fire bullets, not cannonballs. And what he means is you're constantly calibrating, recalibrating, calibrating, recalibrating before you give it your all. And so if you wait to have the perfect opportunity, it's never going to come. Nothing is ever perfect, ever. That's awesome. I love, I love, you know, everything that you were doing. And what, what was the point, up to what point was it that you stopped doing the, the trade shows and you went more towards uh, Brambleberry.com? You know, it was about seven years in, uh, I, about four and five years in, I started having to do less. Like I didn't have to travel to Idaho anymore and do that show, but there was definitely like Brambleberry wasn't giving me a steady, stable paycheck until about seven years into the company. And at that point, just to give you some, a frame of reference, like I think we were doing well over $2 million in revenue at that point, but because Brambleberry sells commodities, right? I sell coconut oil. I sell lavender essential oil. These things are market-based commodities. They're like grocery store margins. Um, There just wasn't ever a lot of extra. And in fact, when I was 27 years old, I was $274,000 in debt, even though I was doing well over two or $3 million in revenue because growth sucks cash. And so I just wasn't getting a consistent paycheck until kind of year seven. And even then it was a, it was a modest paycheck. It was enough to pay that mortgage and get me past the top ramen and black beans stage of my life, but not much, like no vacations, no eating out, like definitely never buying a new car, always buying used. And that was only after basically everything had broken down. So it, it was about seven years in. Wow. Talk about overnight success, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, the, the first time I even realized that maybe, remember how I said like things look good from the outside, but they don't feel good on the inside a lot, even today. The first time I realized that we actually had a company that maybe actually was decent and was going to make it was when I won businesswoman of the year for Washington state. So we're talking one of the top 50 business people in the nation And here I was sort of feeling like, is the other shoe going to drop? Am I a screw up? Is this, is this supposed to be this hard? Like, why don't I feel successful? And so we're sitting at, we're sitting in this beautiful hotel downtown. Like every half of the people are in tuxes. I'm in a beautiful gown and they announce my name. 
as having won. And I don't even remember what I said, but the next day I was like, I can't believe that these people, this, this group of judges has seen our company, visited our company, talked to our employees, seen our financials, and they think we're okay. Because it really, I don't even know when you hit that point right. that you ever really feel okay as an entrepreneur. Right. And I think we were talking about that a few episodes ago that, um, I mean, you know, in my journey and through all of the people that I've talked to, um, you know, right now we're in episode 21. So the 20 people that I already talked to, I don't think that feeling ever goes away for as long as you're an entrepreneur. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're day one or day 10,000. I still that that you know that gut feeling that anxiety and the fear and the doubt I think it never goes away right You know I don't think it does and I mean Brambleberry has over 90 employees now like we are like we have a somewhat predictable company in terms of our sales and and like there's mid-level management now like I don't have to be the one that packs boxes or even tells people to pack boxes <laughs> right but it still feels like at any moment I can lose it all and be living in a tent with my family. Like there is always still that fear and that gut that drives you. And I think entrepreneurs that are humble and hungry and smart will always have that. Because when you get complacent, when you start phoning it in, I think is when the possibility for everything to fall apart happens. You always have got to be working. And whether it's fear driving you or your big kind of why, this big mission in life, whatever is driving you, you still always got to be hustling. Yes, I love that. It's absolutely true. I mean, look at you. It took you, took you seven years to get to a more, more comfortable position. And even up to now, I mean, after so many years and so many things that you've done, you know, you're still hustling or you're still going after. You're not selling. That's awesome. No. That's no. amazing. Did you, through the journey and the ups and downs, did you ever feel like quitting and just go get a job? That's a great question. I, once I had been self-employed for probably three years or four years in, I think I was probably pretty ruined because at that point I knew what my why was. And my why was to be a partner with people on their creative journeys, because I believe that creativity is essential. And I also deeply believe that handmade is best made. And so that kind of big why drove me forward and propelled me forward. And unless I was able to fulfill that mission within another company, I didn't want to work for anybody else. And I don't know where that point is for people that are entrepreneurs, where that tipping point is, where you're kind of ruined from working for anybody else. But I think any entrepreneur that knows why they're doing it and is getting up every day and doing the grind and the hustle, I think eventually every single one of them hits that tipping point where they're like, what I'm doing right now is so valuable for the world, for my community, that I don't, I don't think I could do this anywhere else. So unless there was a bigger calling, I don't think I could do it anywhere else. Right. And I think you get to the point where, and like I said, we, we keep going back. It's not about the money because I, 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 I'm pretty positive that you could be, you know, at the beginning of your business, you were probably making a lot more, you know, as, as an officer, um, you know, it would have been oh, easier. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, it would have been easier. But, you know, like I said, we keep going back. I mean, that's, that's not, that was not the purpose why you're here. I mean, I think you found it and I, I can see it already, right? You, you find, you find the purpose in your life and you find the why you're here. And mm -hmm. I mean, everybody that is listening to us, it's, it's such a different feeling. Like I've never felt it before until this show. So I, I, I know the difference.
Yeah. And some people, I think, also take a little bit longer to figure out what their why is. And that's okay, too. You know, my why has changed from like 20 years ago. It was, let's see, it was something around the love of the craft will always drive me. Profit will never be a motivating factor. And that was my why, the love of the craft, when I first started. And then, of course, I find myself $274,000 in debt. And it turns out that caring about money is kind of important when you run a business. Mm-hmm. But so your why can change, too. And you're, and figuring it out, it's not a slow, it's not an easy process. It is slow and arduous. And, you know, like the Fire Starter Sessions by Danielle Laporte, uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, uh, the the Success Principles by Jack Canfield, of course, Best Day Ever book. All of those books have exercises in there to help you figure out what your why is if you're struggling. And your why will change as your circumstances and situation changes in your own life and in your own career path. Yes, I agree with that. So moving forward with your story and, you know, Brambleberry became what it is today. And now you want to continue to give back to the community and you started your your um, your book, Live Your Best Day Ever, which I'm super excited. I'm going to have to go get a copy because I'm excited for that book. But how did that came into creation? How did that how did all got all started? So I've been blogging at SoapQueen.com for about 10 years now, and it's a lot of instructions, right? SoapQueen.com. Of course, it's a lot of instructions, but there's a section that has always been personal musing. So, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is how I'm feeling. And there's always been a section on business advice. And so really the best day ever book, and I have a copy because I think it's so pretty. Oh, that I is love a pretty how, book. Yeah. That pretty? <laughs> yes. yes. And let me tell you something. I mean, you can you can see the branding on the book compare, you know, that it goes along with Brambleberry. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, the this is this this is hand-drawn calligraphy. Wow. This right here, like brand branding and marketing is kind of like that's that's kind of where I love to do. So yes. that's where that comes from. But so I've been writing these blogs at I'd been writing these blogs at soapqueen.com. And so this book is really just an extension of those blogs. I sat down about two years ago and started working on what would become the manuscript for the book. And it's all original content. None of it's republished from my blogs, but it does take the themes from my blogs and just really expands on them. And I wrote the book with that customer base in mind that I've been working with at Brambleberry, that kind of like is this all there is? I'm really tired. I don't understand why I'm getting up and not feeling joy. I don't, I don't know how to get from here to there. I have all these plans, but I don't get anywhere. What's my problem? And so this book is really me standing on the shoulder of all those teachers and mentors that I've had over the years and writing down the things that I have learned that I've taken away bits and pieces and writing them all down for how I live my life and how I run Brambleberry, and how I have a family, and how I don't lose my mind, my sanity, or my integrity trying to do that all. Right. And and like I said, you know, it's an amazing book. It sounds really, really a good read. So I'm definitely going to get a copy and that everybody that is, you know, we're going to make sure that we link this on the on the show notes too. Thank uh, you. So everybody that is listening, you know, just go get a copy. And I, I promise you, it's a really good book. Um, and it'll be available at thehassleshell.co slash TSH21. So, I mean, you know, it looks like you've come a long way and you you 
truly have, you know, your your why has changed, but you were always going after figuring it out, right? It's not like something that is going to come your way uh, just by sitting and waiting to figure it out. I mean, you went out and you were trying to figure out why are you here and what were you trying to achieve? And through the whole journey that you've been going through, what do you think is the the one thing that helped you to get to where you are? What would be your secret to success? So first of all, of course, there is no secret to success except to get up every day and do the grind. <laughs> I love and it. And I would, I would say that there's two things that I think have really helped me in my my kind of career path, this calling and building a business and a life that I love. And the two things are one, that daily grind, doing the same five things over and over again, every single day, even though they are boring and they are relentless. It is that, it is that, that traction that you get when you combine small incremental amounts of daily effort with the compound of time that creates really great things. And I think that, I think that you look at people and you see their Instagram stories and they look like they're pretty shiny, happy people. And you don't see the grind, right? You don't see them making tiny, small choices and habit stacking every day so that they're in there. Like they you don't see them making the 15 sales calls every day. You don't see them getting up every day at 6.30 in the morning and meditating, working out, eating the right foods so that they have the baseline to have their best day ever, every day. And so I would say that one of the secrets to quote my success is that daily grind and being accountable to myself to do the daily grind even when no one is watching and when it doesn't seem like it's paying results because you have to do what others won't do to get what others won't have. And then the second thing is really surrounding yourself with an amazing group of friends and support system that are better than you, that inspire you, that motivate you. Because it's so easy to get pulled down to that lowest common denominator rather than to be pulled up, right? Like you pulling other people up. It's so easy to just take that time, take the time off with your friend who just decides that they want to go, you know, you know, you have something you need to be doing, right? You have to be writing the book. You have to be making the sales calls, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you have to do that. But then your friend's like, Hey, let's just go grab some beers and hang. You've been working really hard all week. There's probably a time and a place for that, right? All work and no play, blah, blah, blah. But when you're starting your business, that isn't the time to be letting off the gas pedal. And so surrounding yourself with like-minded business people and hustlers really does help like pull you along to that next level of success. Because when you look around and everybody else is working hard, it inspires you to work harder. Yes. When you look around and you see your friends trying and failing, it makes it okay for you to fail. And so I really think that having surrounding yourself with people you like, respect, and admire is a huge key to success that's often overlooked. I think it is there, you know, it's overlooked big time because it's very true that when you are surrounded with people that don't think the same way as you think, you know, they don't understand their hustle and they don't understand the grind. So if you already work 10 hours in a day, you know, for them, it's it's way too much. And it's like, yeah, let's go take a break. You've worked so many, you know, you've worked all day already. Let's just go for a beer. When in reality, right. I mean, most of the times, like, you know, including me, I mean, I, I usually work like 16 hours a day and, you know, I, I don't really have, you know, friends to go out. I just have like a, I can, I can count them with one hand, 
but I try to surround myself with people that are way, you know, ahead of me that are just, you know, pushing me, you know, it's pushing me to, to keep going. So everybody that is listening, you know, just surround yourself with people that are forcing you to step up the game. Absolutely. You want to be inspired by your friends. Like I have one friend that I have been friends with him since he was a $5 million company and I was a $1 million company. Now he's 45 (laughs) and, and it is so inspiring and exciting to see his climb and to see what he does. And you know what? He's in the office on Saturdays working. He doesn't have young children. I have young children. And so my weekends, when my children are awake, our family times, but you better believe that I am working at night and I consider to personal development to be working. So like this morning, for example, I got up early, I meditated, I started, I'm on chapter five of the 48 laws of power by Robert Greene. So I read chapter five before my children got up and then my children get up and I am focused, focused, focused on them until it's time for them to go to school or to camp or whatever they're doing. Then I go to work and it's focus, focus, focus. Then I get home, focus on the kids, and then switch back again to work. And whether that work is sitting down and reading Bloomberg Business or it's trying to crank out 100 emails because like you, I'm sure, I mean, my email box is overflowing. Everybody's is, right? There's some form of work almost every single night. And that's not a complaint. When you do what you love, you would do it for free anyways. When your hobby is your job, that's not, it doesn't suck to do. (laughs) Like when you are the boss, it's great to be able to make progress at night on your dreams, your goals, and your ambitions. And when you have that bigger calling, you are driven to do it. And it is not a hassle. And it doesn't feel bad. Yes. And, you know, I love everything that you're saying. And it it does bring a question to me because it's one of the things that I am struggling and a lot of people probably are. You know, you're talking about working and then shifting focus to kids, family, and then shifting focus back to work. How are you able to do that focus to where you can completely shut down business and go to the kids? Because when I do family time or I do something else, I mean, my mind keeps going. Like I, I try to stop it, but I can't stop it. So, you know, that, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think that's a lot of practice and discipline. Uh, we have a charging station for our phones. It's not, it's in the laundry room. It's away from family. Um, we make sure that computers are off. Like it's very just kind of deliberate behavioral, behavioral practices. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't sometimes fail. My husband is also an entrepreneur. He has a fiberglass engineering business that works in five countries. And this morning he had a 5 a.m. phone call and he came back home after the 5 a.m. phone call because family time is pretty sacred to us. So he, you know, the kids got up and at seven and, but he had, the phone call was emotionally charged and a big business decision. So he sat there and he was telling me about the phone call. And, you know, finally our six-year-old is like, daddy, you've been talking a lot. Can you, quit talking about this and be like, I'm hungry. Can we have breakfast? So it's not, it's not perfect. Like there's, it's never perfect, right? It's never balanced. It's more like a teeter totter. Some weeks you are like up to here and you are so stressed out and you're, you're feeling like you have no time and you're like, please, can you just put the kids to bed? I just need this extra hour. And other weeks you're down here and you're like, I can do everything. This is so easy. So it's definitely, it's not ever in balance. It's never in stasis. And People that try and make it sound like everything is easy and that things are not emotionally charged, I don't know, once a week, twice a week, 
I, I think they're lying to you. I mean, I really, I really, I think they're missing that authenticity or that, that, that humanity that reminds them that they are a real person with thoughts and feelings and they should be nurturing those and acknowledging them. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm definitely going to try the phone thing because I think the phone is a big focus issue, to be honest. Because- Especially with social media. Yes. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, like with, with Brambleberry and I have a personal account now called Anne Marie Creates at Twitter on Instagram. So I can separate myself from the brand and keep teasing those apart because I don't want to be the brand. Because if I am the brand, well, then you, you're right. You never get a day off. Right. Um, but especially with social media, right? Like if someone tweets at you, you want to be able to respond really quickly. And so we've kind of got a, or I kind of have a comfort level around, well, on Twitter, if I don't respond in four hours, is that okay? If I don't respond on Instagram in eight hours, is that okay? And I've just had to be okay with not being as responsive during kind of the family time hours, uh, as during the day. And I have this professor, his name's Vern Harnish. He wrote, he wrote this amazing book called the Rockefeller habits now called scaling up 2.0. And he told me when I went to school back at MIT for his, for this entrepreneurial master's program, he did, he told me, and I didn't have kids. He said, Anne-Marie, when you have kids, you will be a better boss and a better leader and you'll be more effective. I thought it was nuts, right? Like you take eight (laughs) hours out of my day, you take four hours out of my day, my work day, and you think I'm going to be better. (laughs) Turns out the second I had that first kid and I had to delegate more and actually start following the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week practices, he's totally right. (laughs) Like business almost doubled and tripled the next few years after the kids because I had to spread out my workload to people who were better at it than me. Like here I was holding so tightly to these things and it turns out that other people could do some of these things better than me. And coming and being okay with that was another kind of big aha that allowed my business to grow and allowed me to kind of take that next that next leap into the next side. Yes, you know, very true everything that you're saying and and, and I'm really grateful that you, you know, got the chance to to Oh, I love your mug. <laughs> Best day ever. Best day ever. That's yeah. going to be my, my preaching now moving forward. <laughs> Good. So, I mean, I'm very excited to have the opportunity to share your story. And, you know, it looks like you've come a long way and you've done amazing things out there, not only for your business, but for a lot of, of um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs out there trying to motivate and trying to help them start their own their own hustle, their own company and everything. And, you know, I just want to wish you the best of success. I mean, you're, you're headed the right way and I'm sure you're going to, you know, this is, this is just the beginning. You're just getting started. So, um, fingers crossed. Yes. You're going to explode very soon. And, you know, I want to move, I want to change gears a little bit from your story to what I like to call the hassle round, where it's our little word game where I'm going to throw a word at you and whatever first word pops in your mind, that's the one you're going to, uh, you know, say back to me. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Hustle. Work. Now the word work. Oh, the word is work. No, the word was hassle. Now is the word work. (laughs) Uh, Work. Fun. Employee. Employee. Necessary. Boss. Hard. Rules. Meant to be broken. (laughs) I agree with that. College. Uh, The word I want to use, a hoop. Uh, A hoop you have to jump through. Okay. Fear. 
Always. Weakness. Yes. I, the, the word I keep thinking is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Yes. A strength. Strength. Cultivated. Motivation. Habits. And last but not least, books. Leaders are readers. Yes, I love it. Awesome. That was a really fun hustle round. That was hard. <laughs> it was hard. It's definitely hard to put the whole, you know, the whole expression into one word. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I, 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 you've, you've come a long way. Have you done so many great things? And a lot of people that are listening to us right now, is there any motivational hustling quote that you can share with them? Maybe they're on the fence trying to decide to leave their nine to five and go start their, their business. Or maybe they already started a business, but they're not, they're not to the point where they want to be. What would you tell them to motivate them and inspire them to keep pushing and to keep hustling? So... If someone's in a nine to five job and it's just not that fulfilling uh, and they really want to go out on their own thing, I would really, I so strongly love that they have a runway of income. And I think that going slowly and going feet first and not head first into switching from being a nine to fiver to a full-time entrepreneur, I think that process should not be taken lightly. And keep hustling at night, do it on nights, do it on weekends, prove the concept before you quit and chuck everything to do this life of entrepreneurship. There is absolutely no shame. There's no harm in taking a little bit longer to do your dream and do it right and give yourself that runway by working at nights and weekends on your dream, on your passion play, on your side hustle. And then remember that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so be really accountable to yourself to do the hard work. Be really accountable to yourself at your nine to five job to do everything it takes to be successful there. And then be really accountable to yourself at home because breaking promises to yourself is that's like the worst kind of failing. And that leads to breaking more promises, sleeping in instead of doing the hustle. So really keep Really be accountable to yourself and your big dreams. Make those goals, chunk them down into daily increments of time, and then plug away at it. And eventually, yes, you will totally be able to quit your nine to five job. And it's okay if it's not this week. It's okay if it's even not next year. You might have a five-year plan. Just make a plan and work towards it every day. Yes, that's, you know, that's a gold nugget. I mean, everybody that is listening is not about time. It's not a race. But as long as, as you go after it, you know, you'll be fine. And that's the whole purpose of everything we do, right? I mean, you know, set your goal, go after it. Doesn't, doesn't matter how long it takes, just go after it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And make those goals, you know, take the time to make the goal and yeah. really think about it. I love it. Oh, you know, I really appreciate everything you're doing and for being here. Um, and I would love for the hustlers to be able to connect with you and follow what you're doing. So is there in a way that they can, um, you know, connect with you? Of course, we're going to link the book, but is there a way for them to follow what you're doing or, or anything like that? Absolutely. So at Brambleberry, B-R-A-M-B-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter is Brambleberry. And then I'm Anne Marie Creates, A-N-N-E-M-A-R-I-E Creates on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and on Anne Marie Create, it's all about, you know, motivation and here's what I'm making and here's what an entrepreneurial life hustle looks like. <laughs> and Brambleberry is all about 
creativity and making things from scratch. Like we just had a full lavender month where we taught people how to make things using lavender essential oil. And so if you're at all interested in lowering the toxins in your, basically your workplace or in the products you make or that kind of thing, then or you want to learn how to make bath fizzies and just save yourself some money, definitely Brambleberry. And then soapqueen.com for my blog and brambleberry.com to buy supplies. Awesome. And like I said, you know, we'll make sure that everything is linked at thehassleshell.co slash TSH21. So all the hustlers that are listening to us, they can go in there, click and connect with you. Absolutely. And you can buy the book at Amazon or at bestdayever.com. Yes. So both I'm, places. I'm getting my copy right now too. Yay! <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, you really have a, a hustler and inspire, you know, inspirational story that I'm so happy that I, w- I get the chance to share with everybody that is listening. And I really, you know, wish you the best of success. I know you are on the path to great and big things, and you know, I want to see you all over the place and explode. And I want to hear the, you know, now the number one entrepreneur in the country. And I know you will make it. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate everything you're doing for entrepreneurs, really showcasing that kind of nitty gritty part, the, again, the not pretty Instagram part of being an (laughs) entrepreneur, because I think that helps people feel less alone. And when you feel less alone and you feel like you're part of a tribe, that is really motivating. So thank you for everything you're doing. All right, Hustler. So there you have it. The story of Anne-Marie. It's amazing. It's an incredible story. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you tune in on our next episode, episode number 22, as we will have another amazing hustling story. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button right now is a perfect moment to do so. So go ahead and pause this and just hit the subscribe button on both our podcast or our YouTube channel. And I will truly appreciate it if you do so. Okay. Keep hustling. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Hustle Show audio experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And even if you didn't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast right now. It's still free. Visit thehustleshow.co for all the show notes and to watch the video experience of this episode. We'll see you soon.